A reading from the Holy Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke, beginning at the 24th chapter, the first verse. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. The men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified, and then on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words, and returning to the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. These words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves. And he went home, amazed at what had happened. These are our sacred stories. Thanks be to God. What a gift to be together to celebrate this day, to revel in the hope, to remind each other once again that new life is possible. Many of you know that my dad is a minister. We moved a lot when I was a kid, but from age 8 to 18, he pastored one church, Saturn Drive Baptist Church in Nashville, Tennessee. We kept moving houses, but at least church stayed the same. And there was a lot of church. We were in church every time our dad was in church, which was all the time. The only way to miss church was to be sick, and I mean with some sort of physical proof. <laughs> Easter was particularly intense because there was a sunrise service, a regular morning service, and an evening service. For worship, my brothers and I sat together. My dad sat on the platform on a sort of throne, and Susan, our stepmother, sat in the choir loft. One Easter Sunday, when my brother Blake was around seven, and that would have made me about 17, and Stephen was home from college, we sat together toward the front of the church, Blake squirming in his Easter Sunday best, me trying to get him to sit still and wishing I had scissors to cut out that tag. Those are itchy. Dad got up and started talking about resurrection and Easter joy. Blake who had slept through the entirety of the sunrise service, I had drool on my arm to prove it, 
apparently noticed the mob of lilies or something that our dad was saying because he leaned over to me and intoned, again? Didn't we just do this? In every Christian tradition that I'm aware of, Easter happens only once. There are different ideas about the exact day of Easter, but whatever day Easter is celebrated, it's only celebrated once a year. We most certainly did not just do this. My brother, however inaccurate in the regularity of the occurrence, was absolutely correct in again. Easter comes around year after year. You can count on it. We begin our church year with Jesus' birth, and from there we go through Jesus' life. It's only been a few months since we traveled with Jesus to the Jordan River, and there we heard the wild, locust-eating preacher John the Baptist cry, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand, and whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. We watched as Jesus joined the crowd and then eased into the muddy water, asking John to baptize him. Each year we stand witness as Jesus leaves the waters of baptism and journeys again into the wilderness. After temptations, he knows himself to be beloved and moves from the wilderness into the towns and villages. He begins to teach and to preach gathers followers, he heals, he forgives, he eats meal after meal with outcasts and sinners. Last Sunday, our paths brought us to Jerusalem amid shouts of Hosanna, and we stayed with Jesus, watching him share a Passover meal with the disciples, trying to stay awake as he prayed in the garden. We heard Peter deny him and then the piercing shouts of crucify. We remained with each other in this sanctuary on Good Friday as each candle was snuffed and Jesus breathed his last. It's been three days of weeping rest, and now we follow again. This time we journey with the women to the tomb, our arms aching with the spices to anoint Jesus' dead body, our spirits burdened with grief. It's a familiar path, a way that we've taken so many times, so many times that the path is worn smooth from pilgrims' feet shuffling toward the tomb year after year. And now here we are again. We watch the women. As they approach, they see that the stone is rolled away, and they enter the tomb, wrapping their garments tighter around their shoulders to ward off the cooler air. It takes a moment for our eyes to adjust. Scanning the shadowy walls, we realize the tomb is empty. We imagine that someone has stolen not just Jesus' body, but the last moments that we might share with him. Then, in the middle of the tomb, in the middle of the darkness, in the middle of despair, a question 
Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's been risen. Remember how he told you? Easter. Again. Why do you look for the living among the dead? This question has been walking with me as I've prepared for this day. It's tempting, isn't it? To comb through violence and death, searching for something, for meaning, for hope, for life. How often have we sat among the ashes, steeped in pain, looking again and again for life that will never be found there? And that's why we need Easter again. We need it again and again and again. Because we need hope. We need mystery. We need to be reminded once more that Jesus is not locked in a tomb, that he's here with us. Scholar of Christian history, Diana Butler Bass, recounts overhearing an exchange between, as she puts it, an octogenarian, octogenarian whoo, an older man, that she calls a liberal lion and fellow parishioner, Bishop Corrigan. The man asks Bishop Corrigan, do you believe in the resurrection? Bass says, frankly, I could not wait to hear the answer. Like most of his generation, there was no way that Bishop Corrigan believed in the literal resurrection. He looked at the questioner and he said firmly and without pause, Yes, I believe in the resurrection. I've seen it too many times not to. My first Easter sermon some nine years ago was all about doubt. Doubt is important, and I remain a huge fan. Whatever you think about the resurrection, you are welcome here. Come and sit by me. I'm sure we have a lot in common. It's easy especially perhaps at an ecumenical liberal Baptist church. Easy to turn resurrection into an allegory or a spiritual metaphor and leave it there. I mean, Easter's all about new life and hope and something unexpected and wonderful, where once there was only grief and despair, now there's new life and hope. Easter. But maybe, just Maybe it's not all there is to Easter. Maybe we need to hear the story again and again so that we might get something more. The more that's not a literal belief in a dead body that comes back to life and not simply a beautiful metaphor. Maybe we need to hear it again so that we can really hear it. Like Diana Butler Bass's bishop, I too can claim that I have seen resurrection too many times not to believe. I believe that Jesus is living in and with us. How? I don't know. And I've seen it. I've lived it. I've seen grace and love and hope. I've seen what was left for dead evolve into something life-giving. I've seen new life in you and in me. 
I've known the presence of Christ in our midst. I've lived Jesus's promise, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I believe in the resurrection because I believe love never dies, never. I believe in the resurrection, and we are the proof, our lives. resurrection cannot be intellectually proved. It goes well beyond allegory and myth. It is the continuing, transforming power of love to find what was lost, to restore what was abandoned, to exist after and beyond death. Love does not die. So do I believe in the resurrection? Yes. I've seen it too many times not to. It's important to visit the cemetery. There's work and grief and self-knowledge to be found there. It's an important place to visit. But we cannot allow ourselves to live there, to be stuck holding on to what once was, weeping over the lifeless bodies of disappointment and despair, trapped in a self-made tomb of worry, dying by the inch. Easter comes into every boneyard and shouts, Hallelujah! Death is not the end. We die a thousand kinds of deaths along our journeys, and no, those deaths are not the end of the story. We also live a thousand rebirths, a thousand resurrections, a thousand chances to face injustice, oppression, abuse, suffering, violence, hate, without giving those things the final and only answer, without letting them trap us, afraid and unmoving. Easter comes again and again to remind us that Jesus is with us and among us, that he has transferred his passion for the realm of God to each one of us. Jesus has passed the baton. We have work to do, my friends. Too much work to stay in the boneyard and certainly too much work to even attempt it on our own. Easter comes again and again. Easter is here, and it is in Ukraine, and it is in Russia, and it is in every place that knows war and famine and despair. Easter is here, and it is in every smile and every new baby and every new opportunity. Easter is here, and we can count on it coming again flowering in us once more the truths that we are not alone, that love never dies, that there is reason to hope. Happy Easter again.